Welcome to Jewish History with Rabbi David Katz, connecting the human side to Jewish history. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com. Hi, it's Thursday night, and I uh, didn't get a sponsor for the October, but a number of people in the last couple of days uh, send in um, smaller donations and all together comes out, and uh, the truth is that they deserve uh, acknowledgement as well. And so I'm going to do this. Um, I'm going to do this sponsor, this uh, uh, podcast for them. Uh, so you have Joseph Hiller today, and uh, David Susan Kaplan, and the Steens, even Daniel Steen, and um, I don't want to miss people, uh, Alex Fuchsman, a whole, bu- a whole bunch of numbers. I hope I didn't leave anybody out. I probably did. But I do appreciate all the support that everybody uh, gives because it helps us uh, continue. Anyway, let's get down to business. We have an interesting haftar over here. Uh, the famous story of Elisha and the Shunammite woman where he does a tchias And the connection, the reason it's the haftar for Rair, obviously, is because, once again, it's an old husband and old wife, and they have a child, mir- miraculously. So in the case of Amravinu Hashem, you know, it did it, although it's, it's predicted by the angel. And then in the case of the Haftorah, Elisha does one of his miracles because, as I mentioned before, uh, among the prophets, Eliyahu and Elisha are unique to Hainu. When you go through most of the Navis, Navim, and the Vios, may I say, they are glorified messenger boys. That is a glorified business. If God talks to you and sends you a message, just a grace says, ah, I'm not knocking that down. I'm simply saying, but they don't undertake to do, oh, how shall I put it, supernatural events. True? You know, think of most of your Nevi'im that appear in the book of uh, Shmuel and Malachim. Ko Amar Hashem. You understand? Yeshayim Yecheskel. Treyosar. They're telling you most of one kind or another or an important message, but they don't go and, and, and turn things upside down. Now, El- Eliyahu does, and so does Elisha. And the most powerful example in both cases is they do a Tchis or at least what seems to be a Tchis Because in each case, one is the Tsarfatis, and one is the Shunammite woman, today from Shunam. So there's a baby, the baby dies, and the prophet does a Tchis or at least by the time it's over, the kid's okay. So uh, there you have your sort of connection uh with, with Pasha Bayera and the Haftorah. But it always struck me, I didn't want to talk about it in the past, but I'll, I'll, it's very interesting in light of uh, the times in which you live. You know, there are different types of Dvar Torahs. Some are what you call timeless, and some are called timely. Timeless means it's a Vart you can say anytime, any place, and it's as good as it is. Let's say it's a good Vart. doesn't matter what century it is. I could read something from three, four, five hundred years ago, and still a good Vart. Or not, you know, but it's not a function of when and where. And then there's the timely. Clearly, current events were Gairam that that particular Parshan or commentator or whatever came up with that particular void. So we live, unfortunately, in a time of scandals. 
especially prominent people. As I mentioned the other day, Abba Avinu is blessed that he'll be a charismatic figure, but he won't be a Shlomo Karbach type or a Chaim Walder type. Uh, and people can, can laugh at that, but it's not funny, especially, it really isn't funny for the victims. And what I mean is that when you're a religious figure and people really listen to you, the power is there. And it's yours for the taking, so to speak. And it's very hard to resist the Yitzhahara at that point because the Yitzhahara says, you know, you deserve it and they want to do it and so on and so forth. And this has led to terrible uh, scandals. I would say that we live in the age of such scandals thanks to the internet. That's not a bad thing necessarily. What I mean when I say it's not a bad thing, if they get a prominent rabbi or a prominent this, that, and the other who gets exposed, I mean, the victims need it. And that's the ones you should be thinking about. The peace of mind of the victims. Uh, now, it's very interesting to me that it's shown us in this week's Parsha. I'm talking about the Torah. The first part we'll skip, which, which is the story of the oil and the poor woman in the oil. But then it says, as we all know, uh, in Pasuk Ches, I guess, So Elisha came to a town called Shunem, V'sham Isha Gedola. So Isha Gedola means a, a powerful woman, a rich woman, a chashuba woman, whatever. You know, something like that. Isha Gedola. It's an unusual expression. Rashi says chashuba, whatever. Uh, Rashi says famously that she was a sister of Abishad. That's kind of hard to hear because that'd be a hundred and some years ago. You know, so you really would have a repeat of the Parshish Vayera because... As is well known, what happens in Parsha Vayera? The angel says, oh, you're going to have a child. And Sarah, Imenu, what is she, uh, 90? She said, I can't have a child. My husband is too old. <laughs> she didn't say, I'm too old. Right? She, you know, My husband's over the hill. He can't uh, father a child. And Hashem, as we all know, in order to preserve Shalom Bias, doesn't tell Abraham what she said. He says, Why did Sarah say that Sarah is too old? She never said that. But it's not necessary for a successful marriage to tell everybody everything. When they say you have a marriage based on complete communication, it's actually not true. <laughs> it's actually not true. Uh, be that as it may, here also, if she really is a sister, Abishag Hashanah is, and I don't say she is, but there's a picture of Belezer that says that. Uh, it's a madrash, you know. So uh, think about this for a minute. Abishag was the uh, the wife or concubine or whatever, the nursemaid of King David when he was old. So do a little bit of arithmetic over here. Let's say she was like, what, 17? Something like that. Uh, he was old. So and it was, let's say it was the last year of David. So that gives you 40 years of Shlomo. And then let's do the kingdom of the north. He had 22 years and 25 years with uh, Yeruvim and Basha. So that's 22 and 25. That gives you, what, uh, 47 years. And add another three years for their children. So that gives you already 50 years. And then you got your, um, uh, what's his name? Omri is another, I think, 12 years. That gives you 62 years. And you got like another 25 years, something like that, of, of, uh, of, of, uh, what's his name? Achov. So it's already like 85 years, something like that, right? 85, 90 years. 
And that would more or less put you in the Dekufa that we're in now. More or less. So, she was 80 or 90 plus 17. Say so she was 100 years old. And, she, and Gehazi said, oh, she has no child and her husband is old. I think that's the Lushen of it, isn't that right? When Elisha, you know the story. It's not the first time you've seen it. So when Elisha says, what can we do to help this woman because she was so nice to us, right? So, uh, uh, what do you call it? Gehazi says, Right? She she doesn't have a kid and her husband's old. What about her? So, uh, it doesn't make sense, really, you know, to say she's the sister of Abishag. Uh, you, you, could, you could argue on that, you know, I mean, I, I get that. You could pick it apart, but Pashtas loved Afka. But doesn't matter. She's Isha Gadola. And what's really interesting is that she's described as uh, very hands-on. The lush in it to me is very fascinating. But I'll read it. Where Elisha came to the Now, Vatachazek is an unusual verb. That means to grab. Lachzik. Tachzik. Vatachzik bo. She grabbed him to him to eat food. So she like took him by the hand or by the garment. And she said, no, no, come to my house. So here's Elisha, who obviously is a tzaddik. And he's very abstemious. Doesn't go around snoring from people. That's not who he was. And the lady says, come eat by me. And so do others. And she goes and says, you coming with me. You're coming with me. Now the Mepharshim, obviously, for obvious reasons, don't like to say that. And so they'll say, toxic means, you know, she urged him, she persuaded him, you know, she rubbo and things like that. But that ain't what it says. And in the uncle, is sort of, rather the Targum Yonah says this, Vaskefaspe. Askef is a tuck for coin. You know what it means. She grabbed him. Now, was that the right thing to do? Let's say it was not the right thing to do from a halachic point of view. I'm not getting into that exactly now. I'm just saying that's what happened. But it worked. Okay? So he was walking with with, with uh, a gechazi, and probably was a crowd of people, and she grabbed him. You're eating by me. Right? And it took a work. And she gave him such a nice meal and such a bakavadik away. And I don't know what happened. Let's say, for example, she set up the table and she says, I'm leaving the room. You you, you, you know, eat by yourself if, if that was what you want, and so on and so forth. Now, Elisha is a great prophet. And people come to him for blessings and curses and things like that. And you see men and women do. I say again, man plus the women. If he wants to, he could abuse his situation. There were plenty of prophets who abused their situation, the Chazal say. You know, they started good, they turned out bad. Because it's hard to resist being a Shlomo Karabach. You know, it's hard to resist being a Chaim Walder. Everybody's all over you, so you're all over them. That's just how it goes. It takes a tremendous whatever, you know, to resist that kind of thing. Uh, and here, Vatachzikpo, so she's always pulling him. Now, if you'll notice, his reaction is to completely avoid any slight physical contact with her. Right? But Tom Elisha, she says to her husband, let's make an apartment. Now, say, what does she say? I know this guy's the real thing. He's Ishechot Kodeshu. Now, I know Chazal have their interpretation. I think, plain and simple, it means like this. You know, he had his opportunity. I see the way he conducted himself was 100% kosher. He's talking Ish Kodesh. 
I've dealt with other Navis. I've dealt with other rabbis. You can't be alone with them. This guy is the real thing. Okay? Now, indeed, what happens is, as we all know the story, that after she sets up a whole apartment for him in a very nice way, so you can't be a Kofi Tov, and so he wants to thank her. But if you notice, he thanks her in a very from way. He avoids the slightest amount of familiarity with him, even though she grabbed him. So he could have made himself familiar with her. And just because you're familiar with somebody doesn't mean you do anything. I'm sure plenty of people listening to podcasts have people who are fr- they're friendly with or not of the same gender, and nothing untoward happens, and nothing whatever happens. But this is Elisha. Elisha Elena over Tommy. Read the story. And it says, Called this uh, a lady, and he does not talk to her. Now, he doesn't talk to her like a Satmar said, you know, I don't talk to women. He doesn't talk to her because she's already a toxic bow. It's out of a sense of Kedusha. You understand? It's very fine. In other words, he's not having contempt for her, quite the opposite. He wants to help her, and at the end, he'll give her the most unbelievable help you can ever imagine. He'll make her get a child a pregnant when, she, when it was not possible. So he is very tender towards her, but in a very fine and sneistic way, in a very, uh, you know, old school kind of approach. He's And, and the puzzle goes to tell you, <laughs> say to her, meaning, say to this lady, we're very grateful for what you did, and how can we repay you? She's standing right in front of you. The truth of the matter is, if it was nowadays, with the women's lib and all that, she'd be offended. He says, I'm standing here. Why are you talking to him to tell me? That wasn't the point. The point is, he wants to conduct himself in a way to completely avoid even the appearance of impropriety. And she hops that that's the case. And she understands exactly what's going on. And she does not resent it. It's very interesting, right? She simply says, So he doesn't press her, so to speak, and say, No, come on, I, I want to do you a favor. He talks to Gechazi, right, as Rashi says, What can we do for her? we got to do something for her. So the conversation is always, she's there standing in front of him, the conversation is between the two men, because he doesn't want to talk to a lady, because she's already showed herself too friendly to him, and I don't mean anything bad by that. He said, but it's not proper for the, for the, for their personal relationship to progress beyond a certain point, simply because uh, he's in a position of power, and she's in a position of a supplicant, and the only way to avoid abusing that power is to be is to make very strong gedarim, and act like a real frummy, and uh, I'll say it again, he didn't say you know, she's in the other building and talk to her, you know, like two Ger Hasidim on a date. She's there, but he's he's speaking in, in a way that there's no yichud and there's no nothing, and he wants, and, and, and he says, I'm just here to help. You see? Um, and Ger Hasid says she doesn't have a child. And he calls her in, right? By Yomer, and he says, again, Ger Hasid stand there, um, but he says, no, this time he's talking to her. So now he talks to her directly because he wants the good news. And I guess in this context, 
There's nothing unseemly about it, I suppose. And, of course, she, of course, famously says, you know, don't fool around with me. Meaning, don't, don't um, give me false hopes. I'm old, my husband is old, you know, don't give me false hopes. But, of course, he's, he's Alicia, and she has a baby. And, as we all know, the baby is born, and then the baby dies. When he's a little bit older, he goes out in the field, as everybody knows the story. Okay? Uh, you know... How, what exactly happened over here? Is it literally Tchiesa Mason, which is not something I want to get into in this particular podcast. That's a famous thing in the Gemara. Uh, perhaps you will recall that uh, a weird episode where Shimba Kananya was one of the Tanoim and was the great debater. In other words, he was the best talker and arguer. Uh, what would be the right word? He was the most articulate and sophisticated of the Tanoim vis-a-vis the Goyim. And therefore, he had all these questions that they posed him in Alexandria. Remember that? Like in the 10th parak of uh, Anita, and they asked him, and some of the questions they asked him, which were burus, because you're stupid, because there's not no gay lamaisa, and one was, and ben shunam is mausha tatame. Get it? Mason lovid lovo, do they need uh uh you know, Danini Paraduma. So, um, me, myself, and I, and I'm sure others, I, I, I imagine historians probably imagine there's some Christological thing with this. Because the Christians believe Jesus came back from the grave, and uh, and therefore, there are all kind of questions within Christian theology exactly along these lines. You know, what was his status when he was dead? Was he really dead? And what status he's alive? It's not a Jewish thing. And that's why they call it Burus. But... For Lamaisa, when they when they said this boy was he a corpse and was he did he give tumor? He says Now, the truth of the matter that could simply mean since he came back to life, so it shows he never was really dead in the regular way, and the only is matami is somebody's dead in the regular way, and therefore he's not matami. The Radak um, learns, and and it's possible to learn this way. He was criticized for it, but he learned this way. You see, he just passed out. He didn't really die. I mean, it's a classic of the old rationalistic biblical interpretation. Uh, you know, it doesn't bother me one way or the other. Uh, but it's a famous locus of the Maimonidean controversies. But anyway, uh, the kid, let's, let's just go shot. The kid dies. And what does she do? Uh, she goes and once again, she rides toward Elisha, and uh, he sees her coming, and he says, and find out what's going on over here. And she runs and grabs him again. First, Vatachsek, and here, I don't think, uh, you know, by the way, it, the, the language is not identical. It's, it's kind of interesting. Those who are into the dictic will be my and I'm calling this to your attention. Um, in the first place, when, when she first met him, when he came to town, it was Vatachazik, which is Lahachazik would be Hechazak Hifil. And here is Vatachazik. No, no, I'm wrong. I beg your pardon. Vatachazik, no, no, it's the same thing. So then it's the same Lushan. I'm sorry. It's the same Lushan. So she's very touchy feely, you know what I mean? And I do mean in a bad way. She's just, that's who she was. And so, um, she runs to him and throws herself and grabs his legs, it says, and uh, begging. Now watch this. 
Okay? And he wants to push her away. And Alicia says, leave her alone. In other words, now is not the time for that. Now is not the time for that. You understand? And so here she is, holding on to this Navi, which is a very unfirm scene. But it's not, because there's nothing physical about this. She's crying out for bitterness. I think I told you a story of Yisrael Salanter, held that lady who was about to commit suicide, you know. that That's not called romantic or anything like that. And while she's grabbing his legs and crying bitterly, she said, why did you fool me and say, Lotashlasi, why did you tell me I'm going to have a child if, if, if the only thing is like this? Now, I want to tell you something. That means Gehezi was frumer than Alicia because he wants to chase away and Alicia says, leave her alone. If Gehezi is, is really a, a, a disciple, a prophet, of uh, I mean, a, a disciple of the prophet, which is how he's supposed to come across, uh, why is he acting more from than the Navi himself, more Catholic than the Pope? And guess what? The Chazal say like this, Amr Rabbi, excuse me, it's in Brachas, Amr Yosef Hanina, Vayigash L'Hodfa, She'achazah B'hod Yafa B'dadeho, that Gehazi actually was, you know, holding on to her to pull her away, but he, that's not really what he had in mind. Yeah, he was trying to grab onto her. Meaning, Gek is an hypocrite. That's the point. And this is so true because a lot of people I've observed in life, whenever they get hyper over these kinds of things, watch out. There's some kind of a pervert in, in, in their backyard. I know it sounds funny, and I say that based on a lifetime of experience in the rabbin and other situations. And the person who acts like super from in these kind of areas uh, is very often somebody that's got their own issues. Uh, I've had many experiences of this in life, and I can tell you, I have a friend out who will remain nameless, of course, and uh, how should I put it? And he sometimes gives me from criticisms, let's put it that way, criticizes me from the right. And I said to him once, I said, you know, you're so funny. All the people that I've had in life that criticize me from the right turn out to be perverts later on. It's really true. You, you know, This comes out and that comes out. But you I've known all my life. And you're like a normal guy. And he said, well, uh, the damn is, I was molested in Camp Agoda. <laughs> so I said, oh, look, it's 100% true across the board. So Gehazi himself is a phony. And there she is holding onto his legs. But then, of course, he says, take the stick and do this. And finally, as we all know, Alicia shows up and revives the child. And revives the child. Uh, what do you see from all over here? That uh, Gehazi was the real... By the way, once again, the language and the story ends in a very interesting way. But He says, take your child. Right? And you can imagine how she feels. I mean, why does the Pesach have to tell you that? She went on and she... She throws herself on her feet. She was this like tactile type of person. You know, she, that's who she is. She, she, I don't, I don't mean it to be bad. She's like a touchy feely type of individual. There are people like that, which is why, you know, in the history of the Sephardic rabbinate, not the Ashkenazic rabbinate, in the Sephardic rabbinate, you know, um, 
uh, if you ever saw Avedi Yosef or somebody like that, even others, they all kiss the hand. Isn't that right? You've seen that. They all kiss the hand. If I ever were around Avedi Yosef, which I was once or twice or three times, everybody's going to slop all over the hand. That's what they do. Um, so this Sephardish uh, Gedolim used to wear gloves. Because I think there's Yushalmi and Sota, if I remember correctly, that they, you know, when the coin lifts up the, with the Sota's hand, the thing, he wears a glove. Um, if you've noticed that. So what does that mean? These women are not doing anything bad. Now, really, it's not correct. You don't go and have a physical contact. But they don't mean anything bad. It's just like it's just like the Shunamis. They don't mean anything bad. You just have to know how to handle it. If you say, bug off. Uh, or you're a woman, or this, and that, it's a turnoff. You say they don't want to do that. So instead, you, you you wear a glove, but you conduct yourself. Each Kaddish of Alina Tamid. And um, it's, it's very interesting that Alicia goes through the story, obviously, with his reputation not besmirched but enhanced. As you and I know, Gechazi emerges from the story. Uh, with his reputation besmirched, and soon it's not too long before he's going to get cursed. He's already got the signs of this beforehand. To be a real gadol, you have to know when to hold him, when to fold him. You have to know it's not it's not push it. And a gadol knows when to, you know, do this and what not to do that. I don't say everybody, but a, 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 a novi knows when yes and when no. And that you see from the story of Elisha, which is uh, which is. Very interesting in so many levels, and and his conduct is not considered extreme because you know that he doesn't talk to her directly, all the rest of it, because it's clear it's not a vart against her, it's a vart in Hanhaga, a person who's in a powerful position, and the others are in a less powerful position. You cannot have a regular relationship. I mean, we know this now in America, you know, saying powerful relationships when they're not equal, lead to bad stuff. And therefore, we have a tradition in Judaism that especially a Godel or something like that is supposed to set example in these areas of Sinaeus. I'm thinking, of course, of the famous Rambam at the end of the Hulk is a very famous, where he talks about Yichud and this and that and the other. And he, and he says, listen, Arias, that is to say temptation, is just there. The hardest thing for most people is to keep yourself away from inappropriate situations. When they got this at the Ten Commandments, the Jews complained that they, then all of a sudden Arias is forbidden. You know, in a lot of cultures, it's not forbidden at all. Okay? And he goes on and on. Gezel Arias, Nafshon, and it's just natural that people are always attempted to steal and people always attempt to do arayas, right? The things that are uh, sexually inappropriate. Uh, there is no Jewish community in which you don't have this problem. I'll read it again. There never was and will be a, a kahal at any time. That they don't involve themselves with inappropriate sexual actions. So in other words, Me'asharim, Tzahamah, I don't care how firm you do it, and I don't care what what kind of gedarm you put up there, those who are going to do it are going to do it. 
Lafikach, different Rambam goes on to say, Lafikach roi lanam lochib yitzir bedavar zeh, therefore a person has to subjugate it in his, his, uh, his, his taivas. And he has to conduct himself to be to save yourself in these situations, and that's how you see Elisha is operating in this week's parsha. That's that's the part that interested me. And watch out for yichud, which is you see Elisha is never in yichud with her. And in the Gemara, the Rambam points out some of the famous rabbis. Who themselves were from people, Hayom Talmidim would say to their students, Don't even let me alone in the room with my daughter. Not that they were going to do incest or something again, but, but to set an example to their Talmidim, they have to watch out for the opposite sex. That's how it goes. And don't consider. Don't be afraid to be extra careful in this particular department. Um, so uh, I would suggest if you read the story with those glasses on, you'll see a very interesting example. Now, mind you, he was her best friend. He got her a child, and when that child died, he made resurrection. He was her best friend, but he never crossed a line. That's the point. Anyway, once again, I want to thank all the many uh, small sponsors, and with this, we'll call it a week. Everybody should have a good Shabbos. I may possibly be in Lakewood this week and and my daughters, but I'm not sure yet. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com.